Hello and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry, where I'm pleased to introduce the first episode of season four. And in this season, we'll be exploring the noughties decade, a decade of revolution and development. And today's first episode, we should talk about one of my favorites. It's a 2002 sci-fi drama, Signs, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin. Looking at the history of cinema and deconstructing it decade by decade is rather quite seductive for a cinephile. I mean, the 1920s, the silent era, the 30s, where the silence broke and dialogue flourished and a growth of studio pictures, the golden age of Hollywood and the Hayes Code morality, which if you don't know what it is, was the introduction of film censorship. The 40s, the post-war age and the growth of noir. The 50s, the response to television and the new epics and spectaculars. The 60s, the European new waves, the new independent movies and underground cinema. The 70s, the decline of the studio system and an introduction of upcoming young auteurs such as Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. The 80s carried the blockbusters heavily with their explosions, the actions, and of course the introduction of the VHS and the coming of the franchise movies with movies like Back to the Future having sequels, Gremlins, Aliens and so on. The 90s, the lustrous new indie mainstream films where we saw the rise of auteurs like Tarantino and the rise of the digital age pushing towards and past the millennium. And then we hit what we now call the noughties. It was a situation of disruption and disascension comparable to the 60s and a great time for auteur cinema, an interesting time for studio cinema and an exhilarating time for documentary. It was a glorious and revolutionary time for cinephilia as digital technology and the web made movie history and previous movies easier than ever to retrieve from nothingness. Erratic availability of VHS cassettes or occasional revivals in repertory cinemas were by the end of the decade a thing of the past. More and more DVDs or Blu-rays could be ordered at a click of a mouse. Instead, you know, streaming was beginning. Cinema history was reborn again. And then the up-and-coming advancement in digital work gave us the mighty Lord of the Rings franchise and also a golden age in animation with the likes of Shrek, The Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. The decade had experienced the previous decades to see where the bars had been set, with sci-fi, the bleak backdrop of Blade Runner, the loneliness of aliens, gave school book teachings on how to make a sci-fi film watchable, rewatchable, and foremost, successful. Signs explores the unexplainable occurrence of crop circles that appears one morning at the front of the Hess farm, as the movie plunges deeper in the narrative of this broken family and their perspective of this worldwide event seen through only their eyes. I mean, the movie itself draws parallel to H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds as we are drawn into, we're not drawn into um, high explosions, end of the world destructions like in Independence Day. We don't see military coordinates in the Pentagon. We don't have a quick peek at strategic plans by the armies or their maneuvers. We are given no scientific background or even content to why this is happening or who these visitors are from another world. But like War of the Worlds, we stay with one family throughout this whole ordeal. And just like War of the Worlds, in fact, they even hide from the aliens in a coal shed. 
This is where Shyamalan expertly brings a sense of tension and unease as we are quietly sat in the background of this war zone happening in the world. The tone that he brings to this movie is next to perfect. The use of silence used to scare you mentally rather than the obvious scare factors scenes in the past decades with special effects or costumes. I mean, he really brings a sense of originality to it. Shyamalan also uses next to no special effects in this movie, instead choosing to use everyday objects as indicators of the evil that is lurking outside their home and everywhere in the world. The use of a knife used by Mel Gibson in the pantry scene isn't used as a weapon. Instead, it's used as a reflection to see what's lurking behind the door. And the baby monitor isn't for communication, but for a perimeter check. And in fact, confirming what they were earlier in denial about, the existence of creatures from another world. And even the tin hats to protect themselves from the alien reading their minds shows how unprepared they are, as they just recently learned about this in a book they read. It just shows that they're using these mundane techniques to protect themselves from an unknown force. This family is naive, and this approach and gentleness of this broken family expresses a real fright in terms of us as the audience to watch these scenes unfold. The silent gaps in this movie where dialogue is not spoken acts as a really scary moment as we, the audience, are well informed from the information around them. The news, the encounters from the police, the strange strange crops at their farm, you know, which indicates to us what indeed is happening outside of the farm. Much indeed to the undeniability of the family who refuse to be sucked into this world. You know, but however, when the family decide to turn the TV off and decide to take a day trip into town to take their mind off things, we're show- we are slowly shown clues to each family about their individual capabilities or past, which proves to be a religiously relevant thing later on in the movie. The title Signs uh, is a double meaning. Um, the signs obviously are the crop circles that have been scattered across the world, which is helping navigate these unworldly beings to drop within a mile of these uh, crop circles. Um, and that's the initial uh, relevance to the title. Um, but the second meaning is the sign that the family has. These things that are really are brushed off as merely old habits or coincidences in the movie. But as we enter the film's conclusion, we finally see the bigger picture. We understand that these signs have been put there for a reason, to pay attention to. The ability to swing your baseball bat as hard as you can, no matter what the outcome of the game was. The sign is there. Joaquin Phoenix was put onto Earth. Well, not Joaquin Phoenix, but Meryl Hess, the character he plays, was put onto Earth for this event to protect his family. The little girl's habit, bow, leaving water everywhere for no reason, is finally revealed to be useful as the water seems to harm the aliens. And even having asthma, the young boy, is so that the poison doesn't get into his chest. Those signs are from a higher being if you choose to believe that. And that's what Shyamalan is trying to show here. That's what he's trying to hint at. This is a family who has lost faith through a tragic event. However, there is a grand design here. There is a reason why something tragic has happened. And it was to prepare them for an even bigger event, a worldwide invasion. And no one would have thought of doing something religiously like this. Something, you know, blending in religion with sci-fi. And it works really well if you have that perspective of the movie. As Mel Gibson's character says, it is possible that there are no coincidences. 
M. Night Shyamalan is probably one of the best auteurs in contemporary cinema. We have, you know, he's he's on par with Tarantino at the moment and even Nolan. His vision and tone clearly inspires by the likes of Kubrick and Hitchcock blended in with today's world invites an extremely refreshing approach to filmmaking. This was his third film after his successful Oscar-nominated film, The Sixth Sense, which came out in 1999, and his equally successful comic book interpretation, Unbreakable, two years after that, which spawned on into two sequels, which was Split and then Glass. Split, of course, with the twist ending of it being linked to Unbreakable. And like I said, both films offering a heavy twist that shocked audiences and gave Shyamalan a genius um, genius sort of repertoire um, and reputation for being this guy who knows how to shock audiences right at the very end. The idea of Shyamalan's storytelling goes back to simplicity and character development rather than costume and excessive special effects. Like Hitchcock and like Tarantino, Shyamalan possesses his own trademarks to his film. And like both Hitchcock and Tarantino, Shyamalan blesses us with his cameo appearance in this movie. However, it's more of a role in this movie rather than the random bystander in The Sixth Sense or the person in the queue in Unbreakable. And like Unbreakable, the weakness of the main character, like in in um, like in the movie he heavily plays, which plays heavily from previous movies again, like War of the Worlds, um, his weakness, um, the, the alien's weakness in signs is water. And his previous film in Unbreakable, David Dunn's character, the hero, uh, doesn't like water as well. But again, this takes inspiration from the old films as well. Um, and I, I mentioned it earlier, War of the Worlds. And in War of the Worlds, where the army and weaponry fail, the Martians are eventually killed by Earth-born bacteria. You see, their immune system couldn't handle it due to all their diseases being destroyed on Mars. The same sort of thing happens in Independence Day, where all the nuclear, where all the nuclear weapon fails and all the firepower known to the world um, doesn't do anything to the aliens. It ends up being a computer virus that ends up destroying the aliens in that film. And I'm sure they've paid tribute to War of the Worlds by doing that as well. And M. Night Shyamalan even said in an interview that he drew some inspiration from Day of the Triffids, another film that movies um, that features aliens that feed on human or harvest them. And the weapon that ends up killing the aliens are, again, the simplest of elements, which in this film was seawater. And originally, what H.G. Wells was trying to represent with his novel in um, For War of the Worlds is that in despite of how technologically advanced we are, it is no place for complacency. Yes, technology is great, and it's heavily relied on now with communication, with work, with business, with socializing now. But with the good can come a great damage. It is often redundant in meeting our current self technology. And this is the situation both the aliens find themselves in in signs in War of the Worlds, Independence Day and Day of the Triffids. The common message here is more relevant than it was when these films were made out, uh, came out. And signs was the most recent one. And that came out 18 years ago, the most recent of the four. You know, and it's saying that the world has been consumed with technology, metaphorically displayed with an alien invasion. What better way to battle the fury of technology than our earthly elements, water, something that only our planet seems to possess, a commodity that we sort of bat our eyelids to in response to the, you know, the evolution of technology. The noughties era was breaking away from a style that pr- the previous decades seemed to have been labelled, instead choosing the development of messages to connote today's world by using popular genre. The first day of film and signs was September 12, 2001, a day after the infamous day that devastated New York and the world. And the cast and crew had a candlelight Virgil before shooting one of the most emotional scenes in the movie. And the charged electricity is clearly expressed throughout this movie. The tone of the story is inch perfect. If you are here 
to see an alien movie think again. This is anything but an alien movie. This is a story about one man's faith in his journey of regaining his lost connection with God. And through a struggle, a worldwide event, does he see the signs to follow and use them to overcome this horrible event. If ever a film could be more relevant with its message, I don't know. It depends on your perspective on how you see it and how you choose to see the signs in this movie. The atmosphere Shyamalan creates with this movie is in fact quite genius. He makes us listen carefully to the silence in the movie. He uses the lack of noise as something to be on the edge of our seats. He uses the silence to draw in more tension. And the trick with this, he is creating emotion and content with our characters that we are engaging with. In the opening scene where we see the exterior shot of the cornfield and the swing set, we hear, we can even hear the crickets chirping, which in itself is a familiar noise in some films to add that sense of unease and eeriness in that opening scene. And when we see our main character wake up, Mel Gibson, they just stop. And it's so effective. And you're already on the edge of your seat and you don't even know why yet. And it's simply through the use of simple juxtaposition with an op- opposing eerie sound of a cricket. And they do the same things in The Birds as well, and even in The Quiet Place. Loads of films that have the opportunity to have a scene near a field or some form of vegetation, which is pretty much most films. In fact, most films tend to do those scenes near vegetation or greenery simply so they can use the sounds of a cricket. Just one of the common sounds to add a sense of drama and horror. And like I said earlier, Shaman does not like to use elaborate makeup or special effects that, you know, that makeup. He was, he was, he was planning on using the special effects to do the crop circles. Um, but they are in fact real in this movie. And Mel Gibson even commented on how in awe he was when he finally stepped out onto the crop circle. See, crop circles emerged in the late seventies all over the globe. And actually it wasn't until the nineties that a couple of guys come forward and say that there were hoaxes and they demonstrated how they did them. And apparently it's quite simple. All you need is some board and rope. However, not everyone is convinced about them being explained by human pranks rather than these are actual symbols meant for communication or navigation for an alien being. And this is all explained in the movie as well. I mean, you get to choose if you believe it or not. I mean, the vast spread of them certainly doesn't condone a simple explanation such as hoax. These crop circles ended up in countries from Peru to England to India. And these were in the 70s where communication wasn't as developed as it was today. You couldn't WhatsApp someone and say, by the way, I've just done this Latin crop circle do you want to do one in somewhere in peru i mean it, it, it's still in the air about whether they were actually hoaxes or not but you can choose what to believe on that and you know that's what he did he used an actual myth to create some sub- some some substance for this movie to hint at the possibility of these crop circles being real and this is where the movie creates this unease right from the get-go and this is the first Shyamalan film not to use bruce willis as his previous two films he used um bruce willis in the unbreakable and sixth sense but he chose mel gibson for this role simply saying that mel gibson is a guy you would believe would protect his family at any odds and of course, we see a young Joaquin Phoenix in this movie, which marks his first collaboration with Shyamalan. He later works with him in his next film, The Village, which again is another tense drama with an incredible ending, or twist, should I say. And the film also has a, a debut role for Abigail Breslin, and of course, now starring in other notable films, again, like Little Miss Sunshine and the Zombieland franchise. In fact, three of the four Hess family members are played by actors or actresses who are the younger siblings of other actors. So Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin and Joaquin Phoenix are respectively related to Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone, uh, Spencer Breslin, if you've seen her films, and of course the late River Phoenix who tragically died outside Johnny, uh, Johnny Depp's nightclub, which was a waste. 
But Joaquin Phoenix was the um, he was actually the second choice for the role behind Mark Ruffalo. It was quite an unknown Mark Ruffalo at the time before his uh, Avengers days. But he had to pull out because of a brain tumor, which thankfully was benign. But with marketing this movie, I mean, Shyamalan definitely, he, he was so adamant. He said that the poster or the trailer shouldn't make any reference to The Sixth Sense, which was still flying high with the shock revelation at the end of the movie. He didn't want signs associated with it all. He, he wanted signs to breathe its own life. And from that very reason as well, he didn't want Mel Gibson's face on the cover of it. This film was more than an actor and more than an expectation from another movie. And I love that because there's so many films these days where you go from the director of transformers or you know the film heavily heavily you know advertises its movie by the star of the movie like ryan reynolds will, will carry a film and and it's like it, it it just shows it doesn't trust the movie's plot or story or depth and that's why Shyamalan was so adamant even though he's got big names in the movie and even though it's a great story it's much more than that and I remember I saw this film about 30 times when I was growing up and it, and it was one of the scariest films I've ever seen. I mean, in particular, the birthday party scene. I think if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's a scene where the news broadcasts this image of an alien. They've finally got an image of the alien and they show it on the news and Whacking Phoenix is watching it. And it's the build up, the anticipation, because we don't actually know what it looks like yet. And this scene is like three quarters of the way through the movie and you only see it for like a few seconds, but oh my god it's terrifying and during this of course Joaquin is also seeing it for the first time and when he was directing Joaquin Phoenix Shyamalan basically said listen because he's in an he's in a cupboard at the moment with like with a coat hanger behind him he's like you need to be shocked you need to be so scared and he said I want you back in the coats I want you to get off your chair and I want you to leap back and go into those coats and the scene works so well because that's that scene still scares the shit out of me and a lot of it is due to James Newton Howard's amazing score for this film i mean there is a lot of referencing for this film the other big scares when you finally see the alien in the tv reflection at the end of the movie which is becoming a trademark for Shyamalan. but i don't know if you've seen it but Cary grant in north by northwest which it has an exact similar shot where you see the assassin pop up in the reflection of the movie and it's a massive reveal as it is in signs as well um which is again another hitchcock movie that he probably got inspiration from but yeah i think the alien only gets like a minute minute 10 worth of screen time not even that and it's good that it's done like that the less you see the scarier it becomes the more you fill your mind with fear with your imagination i mean in terms of alien movie goes this is very different from your generic fright first horror gore stylized movie the movie explores a family struggle for a tough time and simply uses an alien invasion as a backdrop to further their rediscovery more and i think it's beautifully executed and it's one of my favorite films of his and he's done some great films he's had a bit of a downfall simply because the studio gave him too much money to adapt uh adaptations kind of like um after earth and um he did a film called what was it called uh, i think it was the last airbender as well and they weren't that great but he didn't write the movies and you could definitely tell he didn't want to do them. but he did it for the money because he was growing from the success of his first five films but his first five films six cents unbreakable signs the village and lady in the water even the happening i'd throw in there i found you know they are vintage Shyamalan, and he's got a new film coming out called old which he's just finished shooting so i'm excited to see that and then me and my girlfriend are watching a series on apple tv it's called servant and he's um 
he wrote it and he's produced it and it's really good and you can tell that his style is there and when i say um directors have a certain style certain vision if you know their films or creation or vision really well you can just tell that that is his movie like if i what you can tell when tarantino's done a movie just look at his look at all the bare feet or the long takes or you can tell when nolan's done a film with the like the glint blue background you know it's it's satisfactory when you can discover or recognize a director's trademark and I think we're very blessed and lucky to have a director focus on telling narratives with unusual backdrops and keeping them satisfactory for a very wide demographic. But listen, I'm just babbling on with Signs. I mean, that is all I have time for with Signs. It's one of my favorite films. It's personally, you know, one of my best. Uh, it's one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, I grew up with this film. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. And watch his other films too. I mean, you'll notice his style from the first five minutes. Unbreakable, I think, is probably the movie to watch I think that's the best movie to watch is pure direction at best. That's where he really shows off his trademark styles. But anyway, that's it. Um, please subscribe to me on Google, iTunes or Spotify. I'm also on Instagram, Film Exploration, A-H or lowercase or one word. And thank you again for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.